CM Life's wrestling-focused WWE-centric podcast. I am Grant Lefebvre, and I am joined, as always, by Jameson Galloway. Jameson, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. It kind of sucks that winter's here already in, yeah. in the town of Mount Pleasant, but I can get over that, I guess. Yeah, it's winter in Mount Pleasant. If you can't tell from my voice, I'm losing it to winter. Yeah. I'm a summer guy, so it's, it always bums me out on the first day it snows, and that was today. So yeah, Last week it was 70. I know. There's no transition that's, at all. That's Michigan. Yeah, that's just Michigan weather, man. It's rough, but hey, at least it's nice and warm inside. That is so true. There's some solace. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, we got some wrestling to talk about this week. Uh, I'm gonna start us off, Jameson. Okay. I thought Ross sucked <laughs> so hard. I I thought. Tell us how you really feel. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, I did, I didn't like Raw hardly at all. There were about one or two things in the show that I liked, but. Uh, there's a backstage incident that affected the show, or was rather a result of the show, and we'll talk about that. Yes. Uh, do you want to just start with that? Yeah, let's do it. Let's All start right. with that. So if you're listening uh, to Raw, uh, it was an uncharacteristically lame Brock Lesnar-Paul Heyman segment. Yeah, which is not usual from, from Paul Heyman. Right. Like, what world do we live in where Paul Heyman cannot capture people's attention? That was the first time I'd ever uh, watched a, a Paul Heyman promo, and then it was over, and I'm like, what? What in the hell did that just prove? It didn't prove anything, and and it sounds like uh, they were they were thinking the Minnesota crowd wasn't going to be that over with Brock Lesnar. But why would they think that? I mean, he's from Minnesota, so their their plan to begin with didn't really make sense. Well, according to Vince McMahon, or according to Wrestling Observer Newsletter's account of Vince McMahon, uh, he blamed the fans. He said these, and then he said an expletive. Fans, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say, so I will err on the side of caution. Uh, basically cursing out the fans for not accepting his terrible idea for a promo segment. Um, Brock Lesnar is a main event attraction still and in 2016. And he's from Minnesota. And he had a Suplex City, Minnesota t-shirt, cut-off shirt on. Right. Like, how do you expect people to boo him? I get that you were happy to have Goldberg back. Right. And Goldberg ruled last week. So how do you expect people to boo Lesnar just because Goldberg is around? Exactly. You have probably the biggest name in the company, go to his hometown, and their whole plan is to try to get the crowd to to not chant his name and to chant Goldberg's name. Of course there's going to be people in the crowd that are going to chant Lesnar's name, and there were people chanting Goldberg's name, but I'm just surprised that they didn't realize this. I mean, halfway through, I feel like Heyman should have uh, tried to go a different direction or something, but they just kept trying with the Goldberg chant and trying to irritate the crowd, and it just wasn't working, <laughs> and Vince pulled the plug. Yeah, uh, he pulled the plug, uh, played the music, ordered the music to be played, cut the segment short. Uh, it was an awkward disaster, uh, which is bizarre because Lesnar and Heyman are money yeah. personified. They are both box office attractions. Well, Lesnar, but Heyman can get you excited for anything. He can cut a promo on anything and just get you hyped up for a match. But not even he could save the logic gap. Here. No. You know what I mean? Not even he could make that jump. No, it, it, it's just uh, it's bad bad planning from creative and their their whole plan to begin with. Just this, this never would have worked. Haven't they got like twenty eight writers? Probably at least. And nobody thought this was a bad idea. <laughs> and see, no, the strange thing is, it isn't even that. It's that they used a superstar in his hometown playing to the crowd earlier in the night, and it worked. Like they understand that hometown crowds beyond CM Punk being in Chicago, will work for people. Uh, but then they just sort of, I don't know. It's like they they like they like thought that would work, but they, they thought this would would not work. Well, I, I think that 
even if those 28 writers, uh, if, if some of them disagreed, uh, I think we all know that whatever Vince says still goes. I mean, if if he's got a big idea, that's what's going to be done. I mean, he's a pretty good listener. He knows what the fans want. Yeah, exactly. We've we've learned to find that out. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, this was a mess. Um, didn't start the show, but it was towards the closing, and it confirmed for me that there was not going to be much to redeem this episode of Raw. Um, yeah, no, that's what I was hoping for, those those last two segments to bring the show together, but uh didn't exactly work out. And we get Goldberg next week, and that can't be much worse than this promo, so yeah, I'm sure it will be a little bit better. I can't imagine how it could <laughs> go worse. I know that's the that's the go-to joke with Raw when it's bad, but man, this was a doozy. Like, yeah. this was just, I don't know. All right, so let's talk about some other actual problems with this. You mentioned the main event. So mm-hmm. let's talk about the main event. Okay. Uh, Jameson, how did the main event end? The main event uh, ended with somehow uh, Seth Rollins beating both Jericho and Owens at the same time, which is is somewhat hard to do if you if you had explained it beforehand. But I think Rollins made it work. It's interesting that uh, they decided to go that direction, and that's going to lead me into my prediction later uh, in this podcast of who's going to win at Hell in a Cell. But uh, it was an interesting uh, triple threat match. I didn't. I wasn't exactly uh, gun ho about the whole thing while it was going on. It was a good idea, and I actually like what Chris Jericho did the whole show uh, before this match. Um, I like the list, the list gimmick. There, no one could have ever made the list gimmick get over except Chris Jericho. But uh, what do you think about the main event? Uh, I, I, the wrestling is never bad between these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, that was fine. That was about the dumbest possible way you could have ended it. Um, I, I don't think they should have um, a similar match right before the pay-per-view. They did that multiple times this week. Uh, they would have a match that was essentially the pay-per-view or close to it to get you excited to watch it again on pay-per-view where it's going to be longer and on the network. And I just didn't really understand the ending. Like, why would you put Seth Rollins over the champion and his best friend? It goes to this thing where the champions exist to get pinned by people. Right. And yeah, Can you remember a, a triple yeah. threat that... Uh, the, uh, one guy pinned both guys at the same time. I'm sure it, it, it's happened, but it was just a weird, weird finish in that match. Yeah, it was bizarre. Like, why would you do that? I mean, the the gimme here is Rollins pinning Jericho, right? Exactly. Yes, that that's the logical way to go. Yeah, and Rollins pins Jericho, and then Owens should have given Jericho an apron power bomb to get himself some heat going into this, but they went with none of that, and. Uh, this didn't really work for me, man. I'm going to be honest. It, it made Owens look pretty soft. I mean, to, to get pinned with Chris Jericho just off of, of a rope, a uh, corner rope move, it's it, it was strange. He looks like the most useless person in the world, and <laughs> yeah. Kevin Owens is awesome. Right. Like, don't don't marginalize him. Like, you know, Chris Jericho, as great as he is, I don't think he should have had the amount of television time this week as he did because he's just the, the best friend with the comedy prop, the list. So he shouldn't have had nearly the amount of time that he did. Like you need to, if you're trying to sell the pay per view, because this was the go home show, you know, you need to make Owens look important as champion. But I do agree with that. The thing is, I think Jericho's might be one of the best things that Raw has going right now. Um, so I didn't mind the amount of attention that he got. He started the show. Uh, he he obviously ended the show with Rollins and Owens. Jericho is on his game. He's on his top game right now. I, I was fine with him kind of controlling the entire show because Jericho is just, he, he's on top of his game right now. There's no one better, I think, right now on Raw than Jericho. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to let Jericho be on 
35% of your show, give him the belt. You yep. know what I mean? Make him the champion. Make him someone who has the right to walk around and do all that stuff. And as fun as it was, it just maybe it just was the timing of it because it came at hour two and a half of a very terrible Raw and the ending. And I don't know, just a lot of stuff turned me off about it. But individually, I don't, I didn't dislike any of the Jericho bits. Okay. Like making fun of Titus O'Neil, I liked. Um, I was going to ask you that, if what you thought of the, the whole list thing. No, no, I, I thought it was good, but I thought it took up a little too much time. Okay. Like, it was, it's like Vince McMahon suddenly realized that the list was over after all these weeks. And then he's like, oh yeah, we got to put that on 30% of the show. And that's it's, what happened. It definitely is over though. It, the, yeah. the list is a, a big deal. It's been over. The only thing I didn't like about the list gimmick this week was really Braun Strowman's the one that's going to hand it over. They couldn't pick any other guy to hand that list over. Braun Strowman, I feel like would be the last guy to hand that over to Chris Jericho. He'd eat that list. Exactly. He'd be like, why, why do I need to give this to you? And exactly. He'd eat it. That's a good... It's a good suggestion, but yeah, I was surprised to see that Braun Strowman's the guy. Yeah, um, yeah, it was sort of a cluster. Um, just the whole the whole thing was just <laughs> kind of just made me want to put my head down for a little while. There and some, I did. There were some bad moments. That's that's for sure. Um, the the whole uh, arm wrestling thing oh my with with Bailey and uh, uh, Bailey and Dana Brooke. Yeah. That was just what. I don't know. I don't know who's. I don't know if that's one of Vince's great ideas as well. But that didn't work. Yeah, that was the crowd hated it. Yeah, <laughs> and they did. they did. This is probably started Vince being upset with the crowd for the night. This is what probably started it, and they the crowd rightfully booed it because this was lame. Yeah. Was. Uh, and you know they did arm wrestling. Oh, now we're gonna do the other arm, and then it was just oh now she hits the belly to belly, and it just. Like you take them like this really popular baby face and you have her in a segment where she's getting booed and it's not Bailey specifically, mm-hmm. but it's the segment, which is bad enough. And it's mostly Dana Brooke because she can't do anything right. I'm sorry, but after, after her botching that match last week, we said, I wonder how much airtime she's going to get. That's going to show how mad uh, the, the backstage was about that botch last week. And they get her, they give her airtime, but they don't let her wrestle. So I feel like that's kind of the well, we, we can't trust her in ring wrestling. So let's we gotta do something else in ring. And I guess they, they said Dana Brooke can't mess up arm wrestling, so let's try that. Yeah, and Nia Jax and Summer Ray got no screen time and she got a segment with Bailey. I saw Nia Jax was on Superstars this week, so Was she? Okay. <laughs> I didn't see the match. That's where she's at. <laughs> but so. she was there. Yes. I'm glad she's still alive. Still working for him. I don't know how you watch Superstars, but she was on the show. All right. I think it's on the network. Is it? I don't even know. Like I, I you know, you hear about Zack Ryder or someone having a really good match on Superstars and you just mean to watch it, but I just never quite get around to it. But uh okay, let's talk about something that was bad but also funny. Okay. Uh it was the R Truth and Goldust defeating the Shining Stars, and Mark Henry and Titus O'Neil get into an argument outside the ring, and Henry shoves Titus, and Titus, instead of, this finish was supposed to be, um, he interferes with the ropes, and then someone falls into a finisher, but he, like, stepped backward and did the Batista bump, where he falls backward and then realizes he doesn't sell enough and falls backward more. Like, he looks back and does it again, I wish I could show a GIF, but this is a podcast, <laughs> so go look that up. But it is the dumbest looking thing, and I feel so bad that you kind of touched Vince McMahon's arm that one time. So now he's gonna spend television time humiliating you. So forever, bro. I'm sorry. He will be humiliated forever. 
as well as the Shining Stars will be. Yeah. After getting suspended, too. It's not like he got away with anything. But, uh, no, I just felt really bad for him out there because he's got no confidence now because he's afraid to do anything. And uh, that just creates more problems. So It does. What what'd you think uh, about the contract signing between uh, Sasha and Charlotte? Um, I thought that, and this is probably going to make me unpopular with some people who are listening, I thought Mick Foley needed to cool it. I felt like he took up way too much of that, and there wasn't enough vitriol between Charlotte and Sasha. You know what I mean? They should hate one another. You know, it shouldn't be about respect or history. That stuff should just come naturally because that's the way it is. But it should be, we are going to tear each other apart in the cell. And Mick Foley also booked the match, and then he's trying to talk them out of it. So that sort of confused me. <laughs> so a, I was thinking of that the whole time. But That's an interesting point, but Mick Foley is a part of this match, really. I mean, he's a part of this feud. He's, he's put himself in this feud, uh, talking to these women about how, I mean, this, this match is the match that pretty much ended his career and is why he has trouble walking these days. He was, I mean, he was as, as much of the promo as the two girls were. I know. Maybe, maybe more. And I'm fine with Foley selling it because there's no one who can sell Hell in a Cell better than him. You know, so I'll give credit where it's due. But in him getting passionate and talking is good to a degree. Uh, I think at this point it harmed the show because it took focus off of them. And I just wish that this had been a more intense segment, I guess, is my only the only thing I want to say. Or maybe this segment should have come weeks ago when Foley didn't want them to do it because he wanted to warn them of the dangers, not after the match had already been booked, you know? Right. And then, like, it's like this whole thing is just the same. A good idea played in reverse, but it's all out of order, so. I, I, I'm fine with Foley, uh, you know, being a part of this and... and um but he, you're right. With he was he was more uh, fired up than the than the girls were, so I, I agree with your your uh, comment to maybe cool it a little bit. But that's just how Foley is. Maybe maybe we could have got like a table flip or something. Like yeah, something maybe <laughs> throw the chairs out of the ring. They this did. is supposed to be the most violent match in the world, right? Or the most violent match stipulation in the world. Let's get some pre match violence going to set the tone. Maybe they're just saving it all for Sunday. Maybe we'll get just an epic violent match on Sunday. And I yeah, and I know all of my fussy complaining about the build to this is going to be irrelevant because they're going to tear it up and they're probably going to do something very dangerous. Yes. Uh but and that'll be good and we'll talk about that more later too. But just in the in the moment I just didn't enjoy the way that was done. And that's the theme for Raw it seems yeah. like. Yeah. All right, let's talk about something that I actually liked that I don't know if you did. Uh Curtis Axel comes out and cuts the promo of his life. Yep. This is the best Curtis Axel's ever been. He got the crowd on his side, talked about his legacy, talked about his family, um, came out and was really fired up to beat up Bo Dallas because Bo Dallas beat him down last week. So it makes sense. Like There's this clear progression. And then Bo Dallas comes out, and everybody's ready to watch Curtis Axel crush him. And even in the ring, he switched out the cargo jorts, and he got some trunks and he was running wild on Bo Dallas he was crushing him and then Bo Dallas rolls him up and the entire crowd just sighs in defeat <laughs> yeah that was uh again the crowd you know not exactly uh getting what they wanted but Bo Bo's style is stiff man he he doesn't he's not holding anything back I don't know if this is a new approach that people are backstage or telling him what he needs to do but man he looks like he's actually hurting some people out there and 
maybe that's what where Bo needs to go to get his character over. But I mean, you had to assume they're not gonna they're not gonna put Curtis Axel over Bo Dallas as much as we like Curtis Axel. I do. I think he's good. He's a good character, but they're they're trying to push Bo right now. So yeah, I just. Man, it's just so disappointing to see Curtis Axel realizing that he's got to come out there and work harder than he ever has to make people remember him, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> he's still going to lose. Yeah, because it, it just doesn't matter. Like, can does, is Bo Dallas's momentum really that important right now? That's that true. I don't know. he can't lose one match, even if it's a fluke. I'm telling you, Wyatt family's where he needs to go, but I guess the spot was just taken from the <laughs> Wyatt family, which we'll get to, but... Yeah, that in, was in the most nonchalant, <laughs> half asleep way. Yeah, but. that was okay. But uh, what else? What else from Raw? Did you uh, did you enjoy anything? Was that the only thing you really? Roman um, Reigns promo? No, I enjoyed the crap out of Rusev's promo. Okay, that was awesome. He came out there and talked about his family. Talked about he was fighting for pride. He was gonna tear Roman Reigns apart. He was gonna crush him. It was a babyface promo. And he seems like a babyface character because he's fighting for his family and for respect and to get back his title. And Roman Reigns is fighting for the ability to walk around with it and drop terrible catchphrases. <laughs> and you know, like Roman Reigns' promo was actually not bad. It was not the worst that I've seen by a lot. It was not definitely not terrible. But when he talks, it's it's like the talking equivalent of seeing three kids stand on each other's shoulders and get in a trench coat. Mm-hmm. Like you just don't believe it. Right. Like you, it's, it sort of is right, but you just look again and everything's off. Yeah. When it comes to promos, Rusev's definitely on a different level than Roman Reigns. That's, and just, I feel like character wise all around Rusev is, is doing some really good stuff. And again, Reigns is just, it's, he's not exactly believable. I feel like that's not Roman Reigns. You can, you can tell that he's I, I, he's not that guy outside of the ring. And it feel, when, when Rusev's talking, it feels like Rusev's just an, a monster in real life. And that's what makes his character get over. So, um, But, yeah, the promos were, were all right. They didn't move the needle for me. But um, I'm sure the match will be good. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is possibly the match that's going to be the, the least um, overwhelming of the three Hell in a Cell matches. But we'll see. It could also be the best because they, they could either do – a boring power wrestling match or they can do the most exciting match in the world depending on what time you give them and how they're going to work it but this could be great and I don't want to spoil all that before we get to predictions but let's see what else did I like oh yeah there were two other things that I liked Um, Cesaro legit murdering Kofi Kingston with an uppercut after he tried to jump that was awesome and then Sheamus hitting the brogue kick on Big E and pin him in a non-title match of course as much as I hate uh, what I did, what we just talked about is them giving away wins to the number one contenders right before the pay-per-view. I thought this was great because I am such a fan of Cesaro and Sheamus that it now progresses their story because they're still not a perfectly well-oiled machine, but they are so good and they pose so much of a threat that the New Day is going to really have to do something about it. And I hope they just stick to that story. So. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I don't know. I'm still. Uh, I definitely don't like Sheamus and Cesaro as much as you do. But, um, well, they're they're two powerhouses. I, I we'll see what they can do. But there's no way you can you, you can talk about a team that's possibly going to beat New Day because just the New Day never loses. So, right. We'll see how it goes. But the uppercut was pretty amazing. I will give you that. That uh, he makes that look pretty good, and he makes it look like it hurts. Yes, so. I want to see the uh, uh, rolling uppercut. 
It was just it looks like a discus clothesline, but it ends with an uppercut, and he just killed Sami Zayn with it back in NXT during their big match. Uh, it was awesome, and I want to see him break that out to knock down Biggie. That would make my dreams come true. <laughs> but let's see what else. Um, Enzo Amore and Colin Ka- Big Cass um, doing their segment without any microphones. That was fun. That was good. It's, yeah. it's something new. They needed that. Doing that uh, uh, chant every single week gets gets a little old. I mean, we've seen it. You know what? Probably. 30 straight weeks it seems like maybe that's enough that's more but uh that was cool you, they they obviously can do it without mics because the whole crowd's chanting it and uh, i like the little mix up there throw that in every once in a while to just uh make us like the chant again you know yeah that was fun and i'm not gonna be so much of a grinch as to harp on that that was a fun little little segment so james is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you liked about raw um I don't know about liked. I would like to uh, mention it, it was interesting to me that they're going with uh, Kendricks to let um, Kendricks wants Perkins to let him win at Hell in a Cell. Yes. He's begging begging him to let him win because he needs it for his family. Um, I don't know. I didn't see that coming exactly in Brian Kendricks' character, but that's that's where they're going. Yeah, and that's sort of his character. That was his character in the Cruiserweight Classic. Okay, was this veteran who realized that at his age and at his point in his career, he had very few chances left. So winning the Cruiserweight Classic could be his last chance to quote-unquote make it, you know, provide for himself and his family and add to his legacy. And he was desperate and heelish, but he was almost like Wile E. Coyote where he just tries so hard that you almost feel some sympathy for him. And that played out well, but it doesn't quite play out exactly like that on Raw. Right. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if begging someone for the win is is where you want your character to be at exactly. No. But it, I'll give him this. It does make the max the match a little more uh, intriguing. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd I guess I'm more excited to watch it now than I was because it adds a little. Uh, you know, you're not exactly sure what's going to happen in that match. Yeah, and I have no problem with Rich Swan beating him because this title absolutely needs to go to someone other than T.J. Perkins, <laughs> and Swan and Alexander and possibly Kendrick are the only three cruiserweights who actually connect with his audience. So. I know, yeah. Perkins, a great wrestler in ring, but just, yeah, he doesn't connect in his his talking skills or not he's a, ter- he's a terrible promo. I'm, I'm sorry, but he just is. Maybe, maybe it's the gimmick, but I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if he's exactly ready to uh, talk on TV or, or big-time TV like Raw. <sighs> yeah, you just, you just don't know. Um, That's all I got for Raw. I actually enjoyed the uh, Sami Zayn-Braun Strowman thing. Uh, yeah, that was I, w- I was kind of hoping we'd see a fight or something, but and nothing is exa- exactly confirmed for Hell in a Cell unless they do it uh, this week sometime. But yeah, as of the recording of this, that hasn't been confirmed. I was certain that that would be on the pre-show or something. It it might, it probably still might, but uh, I yeah, I was hoping to see these guys fight and it, and Strowman kind of backed down from Zanus in a way. Like, I mean, he he beat him up, but he Zane was ready to go and he walked out. Yeah, I, I thought that was Strowman disrespecting him. You know, he didn't. He never saw Zayn as any type of a challenge. It's sort of like last week where he just shoves him down and leaves, whereas Zayn's ready to fight him, but this guy just won't give him the time of day because he is so much bigger and stronger and thinks he is destined for so much greater things. So I liked this segment, and I like that they haven't given away everything. They've just been teasing it. So now you want to see Sami Zayn beat this dude up. Mm-hmm. And if there's anyone who can make Braun Strowman look good, it is Sami Zayn. Exactly, and, so, and this is going to make Sami look good as well. So. Yeah, definitely. We're all we're all going to be talking about how what a, what a good performance he's going to put on to carry this dude. 
Or maybe maybe he won't have to. Maybe Ron Stoneman's pretty good. I honestly don't know. We haven't seen enough of him, but right. And Zane, uh, Zane, like we've said, hadn't hadn't been really doing anything for the last month before this. So good good for both guys. I'm excited to see the match. Hopefully, we'll see it on Sunday. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of positive, Jameson. We talked a lot of positive things about Raw this we episode. We did. There's so <laughs> much bad. I'm not even gonna go into the other cruiserweight stuff. Um, I'm not gonna talk about the cruiserweight match. Uh, we already covered the Lesnar Heyman thing. I don't want to go over the opening promo too much um, because Owens and Jericho, especially Jericho, were good, but Rollins and Stephanie were bad. So I don't know. It it, it was just such <laughs> you a you don't like Stephanie, do you? No, I well okay. Here's the thing: when she cut a promo on Shane McMahon saying, "How dare he think that this company will go to his sons and not her daughters." When she gets in the ring and has something real to talk about, or when she's playing a foil to Daniel Bryan, when she's used right, she's the greatest ever heel, uh, and she's awesome as that role, but she just inserts herself into everything, and she takes attention away from the actual wrestlers. I just don't think that unless you have an absolute need for her, she needs to be in all these segments. So Well... I mean, I've I've always said when you when you own the company and you're 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 the head you're the head person in charge, you can do that. You can put yourself into many things you want because there's no one that's gonna stop you. No, you I know? understand. It's, it's it. something we kind of just got to deal with. I think. I understand it, but bro, you cannot enjoy that. <laughs> I, I don't point. mind Stephanie. I really don't. I think, like you said, she's the best heel in the company when she wants to be. Um, I've just gotten used to her being out there, and I always I I'm, I might be by myself here, but it, it, I'm a McMahon on screen is better than no McMahon on screen. I, I would love Vince to be more involved on TV, and Stephanie doesn't bother me. And, and where's Triple H? Maybe maybe we'll see him on Sunday. I wouldn't mind seeing Triple H again. So Maybe. We will, we will talk about that and many other things, and I think we're going to have to agree to disagree on that one because, man, I've just sat through too much of Stephanie in the past couple of weeks. Well, you mentioned Shane McMahon. Yes. And we'll use this to transfer over to SmackDown. Mm-hmm. Where's he been? I haven't seen Shane McMahon in a while, I feel like. Yeah, um, and that's honestly part of why I like SmackDown. We see Daniel Bryan at least once every week because he's always on Talking Smack, and uh, he's on the show a lot of the time. But I like that Talking uh, that SmackDown uh, has or SmackDown Live has so little of the authority figures. They only show up to put over something important, and so that when they're there, it has a lot of weight. If we see Stephanie every week, her role be- diminishes a bit, and I guess that's what part of my resentment towards that was not just her as a person or performer but just the fact that um we see her every week and then we see Vince and Triple H never now so it's just it's just like they go all completely one direction or completely the other and it's just sort of strange I'll give you that and and that's why when we do finally see Triple H or when we see him once every three months when he comes in and hands the title to someone it makes it a little more (laughs) meaningful I guess yeah um Okay, that that's such a good segue. Can I talk about Talking Smack a little bit? Yeah, go for it. Now, I that, watched Talking Smack this week. Supposedly, that's the best show on WWE programming. Yes, besides NXT. Besides NXT. And in case you're wondering, uh, anyone who's listening or you, um, NXT beat the tar out of both Raw and SmackDown Live. It was such a better show last week, and it was only an hour. It was. That's not just me talking talking it up because it's NXT. It was legitimately more entertaining. The show only being an hour. Does that have anything to do with it being better? A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. And also just having to get people over, is and being focused on stories and other things. But okay, SmackDown Live. 
talking smack. I can cannot get those straight today. I don't know what it is. You know, they do they do sound similar. A little bit, a little okay. bit. But it's Renee Young and Daniel Bryan, and they are interviewing several people. Kane's on there. They do a short little segment. Rhino and Heath Slater on there. They're always funny. Ellsworth comes on and apologizes, and he's really heartfelt and actually does a pretty good job acting. But uh, Daniel Bryan is complaining about Hell in a Cell. Uh, he jokingly said that Raw should make it five hours long with six Hell in a Cell matches instead. And he says the winner should be just be the champion of the galaxy. And the only way to become the champion on that brand is when Triple H comes out and beats up everyone and gives it to you. And that's why I love Daniel Bryan right there. Yeah, he's great. That is good stuff from Daniel Bryan. And he, he, he probably means all of that. Yeah, he means every bit of it. And there was one time where he made reference to something and he mentioned, oh, yeah, they want me to talk about something else. They told me my earpiece. So he just says almost whatever he wants. He's a real dude. And that's why I think Daniel Bryan was always so over because, I mean, he, everybody can relate to Daniel Bryan because he speaks the truth and he's just a normal dude, man. Yeah. And uh, who better to talk smack to Triple H? Yeah. Dude beat him and then Orton and Batista. Yeah. So Triple H and his inflated legacy have nothing to say to that in kayfabe anyway. So uh, so that's wonderful. Um, really good talking smack. But we'll, we'll talk about SmackDown. I just wanted to mention how great it was to hear someone shares some of the fans' opinions in the company that they are somebody's aware of it. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to listen to that one. But I, I hear good things about talking smack every single week. So mm-hmm. it's a seems like a well produced show. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's completely in character, but it's more natural. You can tell they don't try to script everything as much. Renee Young and Daniel Bryan are good when they're hosting. Um, overall, it's just a lot of fun. So, uh, good way to uh, kill a couple minutes uh, after SmackDown. And SmackDown, I think, collectively realized that they have to make this show better than Raw this week. Uh, so, they start off with Bray Wyatt and Kane. And... Um, this one got a little weird for me, Jameson. What did you think of this? got weird for me, too. Um, I didn't see Randy Orton um, turning his back on Kane and RKOing Kane in the middle of the match. That was interesting to me. And I immediately started to think, well, I mean, what what exactly does that mean? And I, I couldn't figure it out until um, halfway through the show or whenever he announced that uh, if you can't beat your enemy, join them. So... That was way too much enthusiasm. Yeah. <laughs> that's about as... I had more enthusiasm than Randy did. Yeah, you were more awake than he was. Yeah. Um, why, I guess, is my question. <laughs> what, where? Why is Randy Orton joining the Wyatt family? That was my question after that. That's what I said when the the initial segment ended when he hit... <coughs> Diane. Uh, Kane with an RKO. I was just, what? But uh, they need to... Um, I don't know. Do either of us know where they're going with this? No, and I almost don't want to. Um, you know where they should go? Superstars. <laughs> wow. That's harsh. Boom. All with, right. With Nia Jax, send them down there? Yeah. Switch them out. Nobody will ever know. So we got Bray Wyatt, Luke Harper, and now Randy Orton, a part of the Wyatt family, supposedly. Mm-hmm. Is this going to turn into Randy Orton's playing, playing the Wyatt family and he eventually turns back? Or is this just for real... And, and, and if it was for real, who are they possibly going to feud with? Mm-hmm. I'm guessing, well, it's, Kane would be one person, but, I mean, they can't just all feud Kane. <laughs> right. <laughs> feuds don't work that way. And when I said nobody will ever notice, that wasn't anything about Nia Jax. I was referring to Vince McMahon. Like, he wouldn't know because I don't think he watches SmackDown Live. Yeah. but uh, Nia Jax is listening. She's happy he's cleared that up. Yeah, yeah. No, I realized it right after I said it. I was like, oh, crap. That sounded really bad and was not what I meant. Uh, but anyway... 
So uh, just strange. It was yeah. really strange. Didn't didn't see that coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I didn't I didn't see it coming. It um, in in the worst way though. I feel like they've done this for years now. Randy Orton is finally uh, getting over with the crowd. He's the most. It seems like the most over person on SmackDown. He gets uh, Chance, RKO, and Randy every single week. And they did this a few years back. He came back. He was he was getting the push. Everybody loved him. And then they just immediately turn him heel and turn him against the crowd. I don't know. I don't know if Randy's exactly a better heel than he is um, a face, but it just doesn't make sense to me when he's he's finally on top. Best guy they have on SmackDown, other than I guess AJ Styles, um, and then they, they turn him against the crowd. I don't I don't know. I don't agree with it. Yeah, uh, I've always I always thought that Randy Orton worked better as a heel than his as character's a, face. a better heel. But I, I feel like I, I kind of like him better as the crowd the crowd's into him. I I don't know. Yeah, I think um, I think, and I was talking with somebody about this just a week or two ago. And we were talking about how Randy Orton is a great heel because he looks like he is just has no desire to entertain anyone. He just wants to beat everybody up. But he's the easiest guy in the world to turn face because he is not John Cena. He doesn't speak perfect Mandarin, play piano, do all this stuff. He's had a lot of problems in and out of character. So he's this guy who just people can relate to him because he's not perfect. And everybody knows it. And he comes across that way when he gets upset. Um, so I think he's easy to turn face, but I think functionally he's better as a heel. And they even started to turn Bray Wyatt face before he got injured uh, earlier this year when he was detagged with Roman Reigns, and it was great. And now he's a heel again, whereas I'd want to see a face Bray Wyatt because I think it could be very, very interesting. So That's all good stuff. Uh, I guess we're... But that's completely delusional. They're not going to do any of that, so... <laughs> Uh, well, I guess we're going to just have to find out. We're going to we're just going to have to leave this one as is and, and watch SmackDown next week and see exactly how Randy coexists with Luke Harper and Bray Wyatt. Yes. If they do. We'll see. We're, I don't I don't I don't have any idea what exactly where this one's going, but we'll we'll find out. They they obviously know know what's going on more than we do, so Yeah, so on that happy <laughs> note, all right, let's talk about the main story on SmackDown. Um, it is involving James Ellsworth wanting to convince Dean Ambrose to let him stand in his corner or let him be in his corner and talk him, you know, talk him up, give him encouragement because Dean Ambrose gave James Ellsworth all these opportunities over the past couple of weeks that we've seen, uh, where they did almost the same main event twice in a row. Um, and he wants to return the favor because he's a genuine guy and Ambrose who had been using Ellsworth to get to styles to get his way into a title match because he's sort of a jerk. He says, okay, fine, and does it. And Styles is an intelligent man and a smart wrestler. So he beats up Ellsworth as the match goes, which is brilliant. Does that basement drop kick through the middle and bottom ropes, which is great. And then ends uh, Ellsworth, who's upset, ends up compromising the match for Ambrose. Yes. I was convinced Ambrose was going to turn heel. Really? Yeah, what did what did you think? No, I didn't see that coming, but I did absolutely love the no chin music. Uh, Ellsworth hit that on point. I was fired up about it. Yeah. And at the time, I didn't even I didn't even think about him getting disqualified there or that disqualifying Dean when that happened. And all of a sudden I I loved uh, all everything shifts attention to Ambrose and Ambrose is realizing what did you just do? And Ambrose loses the match and, and doesn't get his number 1 contendership. But uh 
Ellsworth was good. I actually, I'm actually, I don't know why I'm saying this, or I wouldn't believe I would say in this, but Ellsworth was good. He he brings a good aspect to the show, and is actually fitting in with this feud somehow. Yeah, I I think Ellsworth is great at understanding his role and playing it well, and he's been doing that. Uh, you know, he's someone who your fans are excited to see, and I hope this leads to a Dean Ambrose heel turn because could you imagine how much people would boo him if he beat up James Ellsworth? Yeah. Like how awesome of a heel turn would that be if he did it? But That I would be good. I don't know if they're going to, but they seemed set up for it. And then you're saying, well, then would AJ be turned face? I mean, half the crowd already likes AJ, if, if not more than half, but is that what you're going with that? Maybe. Um... I don't necessarily think that AJ suddenly has to become who Seth Rollins is, where he just suddenly switches to a full-on face. He can just be a, a tweener, like he is, yeah, basically. I'm fine with that. And then Ambrose can get darker, um, which I think is always the best version of him. And they've kind of gotten away from it, and it seemed like uh, people were about to boo him because it looked like he was about to go beat up Ellsworth for costing him the match. So I just uh, I sort of hope that's going to happen, but I'm not really sure. So definitely a darker Ambrose is, is is better. We've we've talked about that. The comedy Ambrose, we've had enough of that. And my God, yeah. So, so it could happen. You you might you might call it right there. He might turn, but obviously these guys are going to fight for the belt here soon. If it's if it's not any time before Survivor Series, it's probably going to be at Survivor Series. So mm-hmm. I think I think Ambrose will get his number one contendership back. Yeah, yeah, and that's the uh, the interesting thing that you brought up is the difference between these two shows, apart from the fact that one is two hours with a great talk show afterwards and the other is three, is that SmackDown was slightly better, but SmackDown also doesn't have to pay, have a pay-per-view to sell you. You know what I mean? Like, Raw dropped the ball because it was a go-home show. I think I was more... I was easier on SmackDown because they're clearly in a wall between pay-per-views and just doing fun, different stuff and building up characters and people and stories and they have time to do it so it didn't feel like making these really questionable decisions right before this uh acclaimed historic pay-per-view yeah that's 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 fair to say and but i feel like in raw's case the go-home shows and the shows the first show after the pay-per-view should be the best shows right i don't know why the go-home shows lately it seems like the last few of last couple or last three haven't been that great for raw or really either smackdown and it felt like when before the brand extension, the go home shows were always the best. So I don't exactly know what's going on there with the switch, but uh, all of a sudden they're just not that great. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm not really sure. I think the, I mean, this is a really big generalization, but the network and not having to individually sell the pay per views might have changed it a little bit. Um, that that might be why the, it seems like the stakes are lowered for the go-home show because they don't need to sell these as hard as they used to. Because people have already bought the network. Right, and they're just going to pay their nine ninety nine and they're going to watch it. But that's not an excuse to put on a terrible show right before a pay-per-view. So I, I'm actually going to... I might take a look back at some old Raws because you might... you pro- I think you had a point there. Like before the brand extension, it seemed a little different. But yeah. I don't know. Maybe they'll get better. Hopefully, well, the the one on the, the, obviously Monday wasn't great, but who knows? 
And, and SmackDown doesn't have a pay-per-view until Survivor Series, correct? They <coughs> they go to London or they go overseas, I know. Yeah, November they're going 8th, to Glasgow. Or uh, November, whenever. But uh, then the Survivor Series is the next real big pay-per-view, mm-hmm. correct? Uh, that's that's what I think. Okay. We never know anymore. It seems that they just throw <laughs> pay-per-views out at us every every other week. So yes. It's kind of uh, hard to keep track. Yeah. So we don't know. It's pro- probably happened last week, actually. But <laughs> I just missed I don't it. Know. We just missed it. Yeah, we just missed it. I want to talk about uh, your girl, Becky. Oh, yeah. She came back. She came back. And this this segment ended with an absolute WCW, NWO <laughs> style, um, the spray paint to the back. I knew you were going to bring that up. I, I, I couldn't believe that when I saw it. When was the last time you saw spray paint to the back of somebody or anywhere on, on WWE programming? Can I you, can't remember. The, literally, I I couldn't. I can't remember either. I'm sure it's happened, but yeah, this was straight NWO Hollywood Hogan painting the back of of some noob on WCW. This is what it was, and I, I liked it. Bliss Bliss is uh, that she got some heat for that. That was that was interesting. Did not expect that. Yeah, uh, I liked this a lot, and I don't I don't know if I should have, but I enjoyed <laughs> it because you get a heel showing up. And being lame and petty, but for understandable reasons, because she won her contendership and then had to fight Naomi and then had to wait to fight her. So she's upset, but she's being completely unreasonable about it. So you understand her character. It's not just, oh, she's, you know, just insulting her because she thinks she's better. There's a little bit to it because of the way things are. And Becky Lynch is, of course, a great face, but, uh... I thought this was this was fine. Yeah. Um, it might not have been the best segment in the world, but I think it got the job done. And then pulling out the spray paint <laughs> was actually a lot of fun. I didn't think they were gonna do it. No, yeah, that was that was good. And and Bliss was uh was the most heel I feel like she's ever been. She was she was mean to Renee Young and she was obviously uh, um, pretty mean to Becky Lynch and she was, she was good at it. Would she call Renee Young Katie Couric? Or yeah, that was, that was a great line. That was a great line. Yeah. Uh, the the crowd loved that one as well, but uh that cracked me up. It's good to see heels being heels. You yeah. know what I mean? It's not like Rusev where you secretly want to root for him. It's someone who acts despicably. Yeah, you know what she I mean? doesn't care what anybody thinks about her either. Yeah, it's and good. It's, it's good. That's that's good wrestling right there. So, um, all right. So, speaking of good wrestling, um, I enjoyed the Nikki Bella-Natalia match. Um, she does a better STF than Cena, I thought. <laughs> Hot take. That was yeah. I'm sorry, but that looked awesome. And we live in this world where Nikki Bella can put on a good match with Natalia, and we have a good motivation for it because they both want to be the captain at the Survivor Series, and they're already building towards that, which I think is a great idea. Uh, something Raw should probably start doing eventually. Um, but no, I I thought this was a well worked match. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Nikki Bella. And Talia both. I mean, they're they're both good wrestlers, and it was it worked because uh, Carmella and 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 Nikki both talked about John Cena last week. That was pretty much their main part of their promo. So she uses a John Cena move, and then she gets the win. And then right after the win, of course, Carmella for what the tenth, fifteenth time uh, blindsides Nikki, and then uh, does does the you can't see me, which I thought was pretty good. But yeah, I like this feud. I like uh, I like everything about Nikki and and and. Uh, Carmella, we say it every week, and t- too bad for Natalia. She's no longer, she's not a part of the team. But oh well, I think she's kind of getting used to being left out of things. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I've always, I've always liked her. Yeah, um, I've always thought she's a really good worker. Um, 
I, I don't know what they're going to do with her now. Um, we'll have to see, I guess. I, I feel like she's kind of there for, for locker room support these days. She's just the lead. <laughs> she's she's the, the girl that every other wrestler can go to, uh, woman wrestler, because she's been there for so long. She's probably a great teacher. She knows a lot about the business, obviously. Her family's been in it forever. So I think that she's that's kind of her role these days, which she's probably excels at. All right. But, you know, if they, can, <laughs> if they can find something good to do with her, then that'd be great. Oh, something. This is completely off topic from what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's about Raw, and it's about Emma. Okay. Uh, now Her photo be, shoots? Yeah, now going to be known as Instagram model Emmalina. Emmalina, yeah. Um, this is so frustrating. <laughs> Not uh, a fan? No, because okay. remember when Emma showed up earlier this year as a heel, and she gave out Mishinoku drivers to people. This awesome finishing move. And then she got back from NXT and she fought Asuka and Asuka laid waste to her because Asuka is the greatest. And so then she became fearless and she was Dana Brooks' initial partner. Um, and she was great. And she had the aviators and the driving gloves and she was just a really good heel. And so she gets injured, and they bring her back, and what do they do? They put her in an Instagram gimmick, mm-hmm. is what it looks like anyway. So I think this is a phenomenally bad idea. <laughs> well, to me, Emma hasn't really ever done a whole lot with the company. I feel like she's most known for like stealing a cell phone at Walmart or something. And being Santino's girlfriend. Yeah, that too, that too. So I don't mind it. Uh, I mean... She she looks good in the picture, so she she's doing something right. Right, I'm not I'm not gonna refute that, but <laughs> I just think as uh, when she went back to NXT, that was her character was that she was depressed. She had a match against Bailey, and it wasn't a technically great match, but you could see Emma's heart wasn't in it because she felt like she had failed on the main roster, and it was really you felt really bad for her. And then she realized that she needed to become evil to motivate herself, and so she did, and she started wrestling really good matches. And working very well, and then she came up to the main roster and broke out an awesome finishing move, and I was convinced, okay, they're going to get it right. They're going to have someone strong for probably the SmackDown women's division, but I guess she's going to Raw. But no, they are going to lay this looks-like-dead-in-the-water gimmick on her that they've been teasing forever. Yeah. It's the Kurt Hawkins of gimmicks. <laughs> it's just they've been teasing it forever, but we haven't seen it yet. I don't think she can do worse than Kurt Hawkins. I don't think so. she can get hit in the mouth by Apollo Crews and then never be seen on television <laughs> yeah, again. I haven't seen him since. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I hope, hope maybe maybe Emmalina will prove wrong, Grant. May, may, you know what? That's the best thing wrestling can do is prove me wrong. That's right. So thank you for bringing the optimism <laughs> back to this podcast. So Power of positivity. <laughs> get out. <laughs> All right, that's it. No, but... uh. All right, so um, not a bad show. Um, there was some fun uh, tag team action. <coughs> Sorry, I'm dying. Don't make it. Um, there is uh, two tag team matches. Hype Bros defeated the Ascension, and then we had Heath Slater and Rhino uh, defeated the Spirit Squad. And these were both fun. I really enjoyed these. Yeah, they were fine matches. I'm happy the for the Spirit Squad didn't take those titles. I was I was hoping that's not the direction they were going. I was getting a little worried for a second. But How weird would that have been? Yeah, very weird. I'm not I'm not into the Spirit Squad, unfortunately, but um, I'm glad that the Rhino and Slater keep the belts. They, they, they can keep them for a while. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I, and the Usos need to come back and break some more kneecaps. That's true. Uh, <laughs> I'm all for that. So, But you know what? Don't lose them on SmackDown Live to the cheer squad. No, the, no, that's never good. Yeah, so, but you know what? 
they were both fun. Uh, I like the hype bros a little bit more than I used to. Um, they're fun, but uh, their backstage stuff is pretty good. Like the little yeah. dot com stuff that they do and the web exclusives. They should put that onto the show because it's actually pretty good. Um, just like Fandango and Tyler Breeze have been doing some pretty funny segments online, but they haven't made it to television. So. I, w- I wondered where those guys went. Yeah, they're doing some really fun stuff, but it's just not making it on TV. So must not. Okay, well, must not be that great to Vince or yeah, we, we need we need more shining stars matches <laughs> oh, on television. God. We don't have time for these people who are trying to get over. <laughs> all right. Uh, but uh, anyway, so that was basically the show. Yep. You got anything else for SmackDown? No, I think that's. I think we covered covered what we need to cover there. Was there a Kurt Hawkins match? If so, I completely missed it. No, that, so. I didn't see Kurt Hawkins. No. Maybe maybe we just miss Kurt Hawkins every week. He's actually there. but <laughs> He's mentally tuning him yeah, out. Yeah, we just tune out at that point. <laughs> but uh, should we get to, to Hell in a Cell predictions? Well, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Um, I'll start. I'll start. First of all, before we get into predictions, I have something I want to say. Okay. Three main events, this whole thing they're talking about, three main events, that's garbage. The, the main event is the last match of the evening. I don't care what you say. I, I, I watch the UFC. Um, I like boxing. There's never more than one main event. The main event is the last match that goes on. I don't care. You can call every single match in the card a main event. There's only one main event. So I just wanted to say that. I, I just I can't stand the three main event thing. It goes back to what CM Punk said. I was gonna say you sound like Punk right yeah, now. Yeah, it goes I back to what saying C- that. He go, CM Punk said that well he wanted to main event WrestleMania. That's all he wanted to do. And when he fought Undertaker, they always tell them, Well, well, that was the main event. You guys had the best match. No. The main event is <laughs> the ma- e- you're even breaking out the hunter impersonation. Exactly. <laughs> no, the main event is the last match of the evening. So I just wanted to I wanted to, to to shoot there for us for a little bit. But um okay. Well, I'll start with uh, Enzo and Big Cass versus uh, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. What do you got? Um, you should either send Gallows and Anderson to NXT or Main <laughs> Event or Superstars, or have them win dominantly. Um, uh, I I honestly don't care because Enzo and Cass can survive without winning because their gimmick doesn't really revolve around it. As strange as that sounds, but. I think Anderson and Gallows have become such a joke, you might as well use it to put Enzo and Cass over. So I am going with Enzo and Cass. Okay. I'm I'm not. I'm going with Gallows and Anderson because uh. they haven't won at a pay-per-view in a very long time. So they need they need a win. They need something that can actually give them some legitimate legitimate heat because they haven't they haven't won anything lately. So I'm gonna go Gallows and Anderson. You know what? Yeah. Okay, not, so, not a high stakes match. So, we'll, we'll, but that's good. Uh, we got a dis- we got a disagreement yeah, right off the bat. I like yeah. that. I'll, I'll I'll be you know passionately yelling at you about it next week. I'm <laughs> okay, sure. But, okay. Uh, um, we are gonna go with the Raw Tag Team Championship match, the New Day, who are the champions versus Cesaro and Sheamus. Uh, because I am delusional, and like my ideas of what I think wrestling should be, and because I like Cesaro a lot. And situationally, Sheamus is really good. I am going to go with those two because they seriously need a surprise and they need something to happen. Because if I understand New Day has to break records, but they don't have to break them all in the same title run. They've had you know 400 plus days and yeah. it's it's become stale. And what do you do with Cesaro and Sheamus when this doesn't work out? You know what I mean? Like, what, do they go back to feuding with each other? I'm not ready for that. I'm not emotionally prepared to watch them feud for seven more weeks. No. So put them over and surprise everybody and make the New Day interesting because they actually have to overcome something. So I am feeling optimistic uh, despite Raw's actual show. So I am going with uh, the number one contenders. 
Seamus and Cesaro. I like it. I like it. I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> but I do like your reasoning. Um, I got the New Day. That I don't think they, they've held him for this long and they're going to give him up to Cesaro and Seamus. Like you said, nobody would expect that. It would be a surprise. And I don't see it happening. So I'm, the New Day is going to keep it for the next 500 days or whatever they got. And I'm going New Day there. So we got two disagreements. Playing it safe over there. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going New Day. All right. Um, the Cruiserweight Championship, the TJ Perkins versus Brian Kendricks. Who do you got here? Um, Brian Kendrick, because something needs to happen other than TJ Perkins. Uh, it makes no sense to keep it on him because he isn't doing anything for it. And nobody cares about the Cruiserweights right now. And they really should, but they don't. And Brian Kendrick might be able to make that happen. So, Brian Kendrick, you're my only hope. I think I need Brian Kendrick to win this one. So, I'm going with Kendrick. Yep, um, I agree. I'm going with Kendrick as well. I don't think... It'll be it'll be interesting to see. I don't think Perkins is going to let him win, obviously. Right, but, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think this is a good time to give Kendrick the belt. And just a side note, I don't... Um, I'm a basketball fan. Kendrick Perkins is a basketball player who, who's been playing in the league forever. I think he's retired now, but uh, it's just funny. Perkins <laughs> versus Kendrick and Kendrick Perkins, basketball player. Sorry. <coughs> Hopefully someone will get that out there. But um, Okay, so we oh. both got Kendrick in that one. Now to the first main event of the evening. Yeah. Well, they're all main events. Yeah, they're all main events. Well, what a, yeah, not a fan of that. Okay. <clears throat> United States Championship match. Roman Reigns versus Rusev. Ooh, this is a tough one. This yeah. one, this one's interesting. I'm gonna, I'll pick first on this one, and I, I, I think that they're going to keep the belt on Reigns. I don't think they have Reigns winning the title and then immediately giving it up. So they, they love Reigns. The whole company loves Reigns. I don't think they're gonna, they're gonna take the title off him this quick. Probably, I don't know. I don't know how ma- this match is gonna go. You said it could be really good. I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to get too optimistic about this one. Hopefully they'll they'll prove me wrong, but uh, I'll go with I'll go with Roman Reigns. I will go with Rusev. Um because I think I don't know what it is. I'm just fantasy booking this. This isn't even reasonable predictions cuz common sense tells me that Roman Reigns should win and then he should show up and win the universal title too. So that's just <laughs> that's just how the booking goes. But uh I want Rusev to win. And I think he makes the better U.S. champion. And I also think that Roman Reigns is interesting if you put... <coughs> dying again. Uh, Two more matches. You'll go, you're yeah, good. I'll get through it. I'll yeah. get through it. But uh, I think he, he can be interesting if he has to chase it or if you want to put him somewhere else. But I think Rusev needs this momentum. And we know that Reigns will always be there because that is the way it is. So I think it's a smarter move to give it to Rusev because he is already more of a babyface than Roman is. So I think that's the best idea, but I think I'm afraid that you're right. So okay. I will tentatively go with Rusev. Okay. You know what? I'm this is the most uh this is the best I've felt about my picks. I feel like I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna win hands down this. Yeah, you're week. taking a lot of risks over there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm just picking I'm just telling you who's gonna win. I right? know. And I'm I'm betting on the dark horse. Okay, this time. all right. So, all right, that's mostly. fine. That's, <laughs> we'll see what happens. All right. <laughs> The WWE Universal Championship match, Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins. Again, another match inside Hell in a Cell. Yes, the second main event. The second main event. Yes, they're all main events. Um, You go ahead. I'll let you go first. Uh, Okay, I have a question for you first. Do you think this will be a clean finish? 
I feel like Y2J is going to get involved somehow. Right. He's going to find a way to get involved in this match. Who else could get involved? Triple H could yes. also get involved in this match. Uh, that is a very good point, and that's another reason why I feel like this this match should go on last. I, I feel like the women deserve the the last match, but I feel like this match is the one that they should put on last just for that reason because this this could get uh, a smashy at the end of this thing. Yeah, this, this could get screwy real quick. Yeah, this could this could go off the rails, you know, in a, in a either interesting way or a really bad way. So I honestly think the best thing they they could do is have Jericho not able to get into the cage and interfere and just have a really good match. Because that's sort of what I want to see here because this feud involves so many other people besides Rollins and Owens. It's almost not even about him sometimes. And I'd rather see these two just tear it up. Yeah. But my honest pick is uh, I'm going with Owens. I'm going with Rollins gets screwed again because that's sort of his MO right now. So. Jamison, your thoughts? Yeah, yep. I'm going with Owens as well. They're gonna they're gonna keep the belt on Owens um, for for a while longer here. I think Rollins will get it eventually, but this is gonna get uh, there's gonna be too much too much against Rollins here, and there's gonna be someone out there if it's either Triple H or Chris Jericho or both. They're gonna make sure that Owens keeps that belt, and there's there's potential for a big spot in this match. I think that we could see something pretty sweet that involves the the, the Hell in a Cell, and I'm excited for that. But uh, I got Owens also. Yes. And finally, we'll, we'll, we'll finish it off with the Raw Women's Championship match. Sasha Banks versus Charlotte. First women's match ever inside Hell in a Cell. Mm-hmm. It'll be history. It'll be fun to watch. I'm excited for this match. And who you got? I have got Sasha. Um, because I think it's not just because I want to see Sasha win because she's over, but she needs to prove that she in character, is a deserving champion by retaining the title successfully at a pay-per-view. She needs at least one just to validate things before, you know, before we go into Survivor Series and Royal Rumble and all that and TLC, but I think she needs to do it. I think they're going to put on a great match, first of all. Like, I think everybody is looking forward to this the most, but I think Sasha retains. Jameson. This is going to be a great match. Um, and I would love to see Sasha win, but Charlotte's winning this match. And I've been saying it for the last month. <coughs> I'm joking on that one. That was bad. They're doing whatever they can to just keep building those championship uh, championship wins for Charlotte. They're going to ch- just keep putting it on her and taking it off. I say it every week. And, again, they're going to take it off Sh- Sasha and put it on Charlotte. I think this will be, what, her third women's yeah, championship? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I got Charlotte in this match. There's a lot of disagreements on this card. There I, are, man. It'll be it'll be a fun watch now. Now, mine are all like what I want, and yours are all what you think will happen. Exactly. So yours are probably more reasonable <laughs> predictions, but I hope against hope. That's well, that's we, what being a WWE fan is all about. We will see. We yes. will we will find out. We Should, it will be a fun card. Yes, we will we will find out. Either way, there will be some good wrestling, uh, lots of cage spots throughout the night. Um, everybody stay safe. Um, and this should be pretty good. So, good a little funny little anecdote for you to yeah. end. Uh, talking about Ryback, who uh, parted ways over a contract dispute, among other things, with WWE earlier this year. Um, and he's been shooting on everybody because he's got a podcast now. And uh, I read the other day about he attempted to trademark Feed Me More as a wrestling term, but was brought, blocked by WWE's registered trademark which was in turn blocked by an application from Ryback. So 
all those applications piling on top of one another, Ryback screwed himself out of his catchphrase. Really? So he can't use that now. Well, that's not the first mistake Ryback's made. <laughs> no, probably not. In ring or outside of ring. Yeah, yeah. Pro- probably not, but uh, uh, we'll see. So if you ever want to hear a really interesting take on wrestling as as a whole, apart from this podcast, of course, check out Ryback's. What's, what's it called? Conversation with a Big Guy. Okay. And interesting stuff, but he talks about how he was supposed to beat AJ Styles, and he, he brings up uh, how much it cost him to travel. And as much as I'm interested in hearing what people who left the WWE thought of it, like I've been following Cody Rhodes a lot, but it just doesn't – it's questionable. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, – Sounds pretty interesting, though. Yeah, and that's and that's hilarious. So <laughs> I, was la- I was laughing about that earlier today, so – that's a good one. But, yeah, read up on Ryback if you're curious to see what he's up to. So he's apparently doing a bunch of stuff. He's got a book, a clothing line, all that all that jazz. So in the works. Good for him. Yeah, good for him. <laughs> so we'll end the show on Ryback. Perfect. All right. So uh, that is it for Ringmasters Podcast this week. Uh, I am Grant LaFave, joined as always by Jameson Galloway. And uh, we will talk with you next week about how in a cell. See you then, Marks. Marks.